spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. We're not real brothers, we are sports brothers, and this week we got a phone call from our biggest fan, unwritten rules are dumb, and how do you keep college kids from acting like college kids? Let's go. This is Sports Brothers, coming to your ear holes and eye holes from the Parish Healthcare Podcast Studio. Hey everyone, welcome to the August 19th, 2020 edition of Sports Brothers. I'm Joe Kepner, he's Christian Brewey, and uh, we've got Johnny Dawkins, head coach of the UCF basketball team on the show uh, a little bit later, Yep, talking about how he's going to keep his kids safe, how they're going to play college basketball, and we also asked him, one of the big questions right now in college sports is, if a conference shuts down, should those athletes be allowed to transfer immediately and play immediately? And he gave a, a really good answer to that. So I, I hope you stick around for that one as well. Surprise, surprise that uh, Lane Kiffin and some of the SEC coaches and the coaches that are still going to be playing football in the fall are promoting the idea of players transferring from the Big Ten and Pac-12 to their teams to possibly help them out. They want some of those big Hawaiian offensive linemen out of the Pac-12 <laughs> to come on over to the SEC. Probably a, probably a smart play on their part. But uh, let's start where we always do with our Sports Brothers of the Week. And uh, this is a special one <laughs> because... I don't know if I should be scared or laugh at this. Oh, man, I, I'm a little scared, but it is funny. We got a phone call from... I'm going to just call him our biggest fan. We don't know his name because he didn't leave a name. Um, but he, FSU fan... Yeah, Florida Stan. State fan. He he's he's probably a bigger fan of Florida State than he is of ours. Um, it definitely shows you as we preface all of this. Uh, <laughs> the the you know, fanatic is the fan is short for fanatic, and this guy is no doubt a fanatic, and he is fanatical about the Florida State Seminoles. Yeah. All right. So without further ado, here's the here's the voicemail he left. Well, you ballless little. F- Gator fans, you can't even get on the phone, can you? Why don't you call your mommy up and ask permission to talk to people on the phone? You're an idiot. You're all morons. This is my favorite part. You're all morons, especially that blonde face that if I saw him in public, I'd beat the out of him, and he would deserve it. Go ahead and keep ragging on FSU. You know what? When we do come back, we're going to beat your team so bad it's going to be ugly, and I can't wait to see it. I hope you get the virus. I hope all you f**ks get the virus. So there you bitch. Go suck your mother's ass. Now, clearly we had to bleep some of that. Um, I, I, don't, I, I wish you could listen to the unedited version. I wish we could have just played his version because, yeah. man, he was, uh, it was poetic. Go suck your mother's <laughs> is maybe one of the best dismounts we've seen since maybe Kerry Strug in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Sports Brother of the Week, because I can't imagine being so passionate about something <laughs> that I go and look up the phone number for the local TV sports department and then lay a 30-second bomb on their voicemail <laughs> like that. And, and to let you in on what we can only assume is what made him angry is – our Sports Brothers segments that now run on Sports Night on Sundays and then uh, during the week during our 6 and 10 o'clock newscasts was we discussed the 
little bit of a player upheaval that was going on at Florida State after three wide receivers came out and said that they were lying or not being transparent with testing protocols and what was going on there. And it was the second time this has sort of happened under Mike Norvell. You had it back when the Black Lives Matter protests were going on during the pandemic. And then you had this. And nothing we said was outlandish that Mike Norvell needed to be fired. Florida State was a mess. No, we just said that this is not a great look for Mike Norvell at the time. Do you think he called up every other station in Florida who also talked about what was going (laughs) on at Florida State? Because clearly we weren't the only ones. But, uh, hey, thanks for the voicemail. We appreciate it. If you want to call back and leave your name, we'll uh, we'll give you credit for it. But whoever you are, you're our Sports Brother of the Week. All right, I'm going to go with uh, just an inanimate object for my Sports Brother of the Week. I think the guide screen on my TV at home deserves some real credit because I don't think it's ever looked so glorious, the four months of no sports, to now go home, sit on the couch, have a cold beer, and you pull it up and – There's everything. There's almost everything. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, baseball. I mean, today we had afternoon overtime hockey. Yesterday we had an eight-seed upsetting a one-seed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You've got golf on the weekends. There is just so much going on, and I'm just a glutton now. I mean, we had nothing for so long, and now it's just... Cold beer, baseball, basketball, whatever you want. It, it, it feels right. I think we need to take one of those cold beers, though, and, and pour it out for eNASCAR <laughs> and all the eSports out there that thought that this was their moment to go primetime, to, yeah. to get on network TV and, and you know take that next step into – into the sports landscape. Um, yeah, I think the uh, what is what what are the what are the esports? I don't know, but better luck next. Dungeons pandemic. and Dragons and what what are the? There's, I mean, obviously Call of Duty, but those Twitch they already have all their money. Yeah, no, they're doing great. They pack stadiums. I yeah. mean, they're, they're a big deal in their own right. It's just you know, you you want to take that next step. You want to be on NBC, ABC, whatever. You, you know, seven o'clock on a weeknight. And, yeah, and that there, there's no spot. more slots. No, nope. sorry. All right, let's get to our nine-up. This week, we're going to go the dumbest unwritten rules of baseball since Fernando Tatis Jr. leading every category, I think, right now in Major League Baseball uh, was, I guess, educated on one of the unwritten rules, which is to not swing at a 3-0 count when your team is ahead by whatever amount of runs. But that is the, the unfortunate part about unwritten rules is they're not written down, so there's actually nothing in black and white to tell you, oh, yeah. uh, it's got to be eighth inning, up by seven. Now you're not allowed to to swing at a 3-0 count. Yeah, and it was dumb that the both managers, his own manager yeah. and the opposing team's manager, criticized him after the game for that. But I'm glad that several major league pitchers stepped up and tweeted support yeah. for Tatis that, saying that you didn't do anything wrong, man. You, you go out there and swing, young man. You're trying to work your way up to the majors. You're trying to get some highlights. You're trying to make some money. And also, you're trying to win games. And I know you were up big, but as we've seen in baseball, no lead is safe. Because I, I don't know if unwritten rules people know this, but one of the written rules is that there's no time <laughs> There's right? no clock in yes. baseball. So whatever lead you think you have that is safe, there is a game in the history of baseball where a team has lost that lead. I have it. I have it in black and white. It's written down right here. The Indians were down 12 in the seventh inning in a game in 2001 and came all the way back and won. And I heard some people talking on MLB Network. Think about it this way, too. It's a 60-game season. So these are essentially the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. I 
almost, and you're trying to win every single game, make sure you're going to win every single game. And so when it's late, who cares? I mean, if, if you can really assure yourself of a win, these wins are, what, magnified times, what, three? By almost three? Because it's only 60 games versus the 162 that you would usually play. Yeah. All right, so let's get to the nine up. Yeah, the nine up. All right, here we go. I'm going to start it off with the, I think everyone sort of agrees this is a dumb unwritten rule now not admiring your home run yeah. after you hit it. This has got to be number one because you hit a home run. You're told that that's the hardest thing to do in all yeah. of sports, and you did it. You should get every <laughs> moment to admire it that you want. You want a slow walk backwards around the bases? Go for it. Yeah, I had that one is don't run too slow after you hit a home run. Like if you jog too slow, you get beamed the next time that you go up there. I'm going to go, it's similar to that, but the no bat flipping rule. Because Mm -hmm. there's nothing more than I love than a great bat flip. And I think social media has brought bat flipping to the mainstream. Everyone bat flips now. as It seems as though maybe it's eliminated that being an unwritten rule. I guess it's the show-upmanship or something that, that baseball purists didn't like. But I feel like... Honestly, the Dominicans and the Hispanic uh, influence of the game is to celebrate like you're playing a kid's game and enjoying it. And that's the beautiful thing that I think you get from bat flipping. Maybe the greatest, the Jose Bautista home run uh, in the playoffs a few years back. It was one one of the great ones of all time. Well, let's be clear. All of these unwritten rules are basically in existence because somebody didn't want their feelings hurt. Right. right? Like, oh, you hit a home run and bat flipped. (laughs) Oh, now I feel bad. Um, Yeah, baseball kind of earned a reputation as a soft sport because of this this most recent one. But um, all right. So I think another one I'm going to do is the do not bunt to break up a no-hitter. And it's not that I necessarily disagree with that, but it's too situational, right? Because if my team's down one run and I've got a, a runner on first and it's the bo- the top of the ninth, bottom of the ninth, it's the ninth inning, and I just need to move the guy over, I'm bunting. I don't care that you have a no-hitter. I'm bunting because it's still a game. I'm still trying to win it. Yeah, it depends on if it's just a sacrifice or if he's actually doing it to try and get a hit. Is a little difference, but I understand what you're saying. If if that's how you get on base to help your team and you're down by one, then yeah. yes, you should be able to do that. Um, this one for me, my next one comes from just uh, my years of broadcasting minor league baseball. It's the don't talk about a no hitter unwritten rule. I know that it maybe it's just for fans, or you also hear announcers shouldn't say this, but actually our job is to say it and let the people listening know why they should be tuned in and what are the key aspects of said game. And usually a no-hitter is a fairly big aspect of a game. So if I, if there's a no-hitter going on, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to say the word no-hitter. And guess what? I had no impact on the game. Me uttering those words had absolutely no impact on the game. All right, so that's the number four dumbest unwritten rule of baseball. Number five, I'm just going to put it on the list because it's why we're having this conversation. It's the do not swing at a 3-0 count when your team is ahead. Yeah. And we've already discussed why that's a dumb rule. So there's number five. All right, I'm going to go with number six will be uh, don't touch the mound. I think that's uh, pitchers do not like you know the other players to touch any of the dirt on the their mound it's like their safe <laughs> space so I, I think it's it's unwritten it's not as I guess doesn't lead to big fights or anything but I thought that one's a good one yeah uh, how about uh do not rub the spot where you were hit by a pitch 
It hurts, man. You want to rub the spot? Rub the spot. Throw a little dirt on it. I'm fine with it. All right, I'm going to go next with you hit my star, I hit your star. And so it's just a an eye for an eye. It goes back, I guess, to biblical times or whatnot. But um, it's an unwritten rule. Is it dumb? Maybe not the dumbest, and that's why it's further down on my list. But it, it is just an interesting way that the – Major League Baseball does these things, and they you kind of just get to pick and choose who's your star. And then what if you're just the relief pitcher that they throw out there and, hey, you got to go hit this guy now? And then what if that guy's like 275 pounds? Yeah, I agree. And you don't want to fight them. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to fight Anthony Rizzo. No, yeah. I don't want to do that. All right, so that was number six, right? Number seven, um, I'm going to go with a pitcher should not indicate displeasure if one of his fielders commits an error. It's not the pitcher's fault that Coach put Billy at shortstop again, (laughs) and the kid sucks, and he just keeps letting the ball go through his legs, all right? So I'm going to yell at Billy. Billy, get your together, man. All right, I'm trying to find where I had my last one. Oh, hurry. Although there's no time limit in podcasting either. There isn't. Okay, my last one, this is just weird. Pitchers relieved mid-inning must stay in the dugout until the end of the inning. If I sucked, I want to get the hell out of there. (laughs) I don't want to have to sit there and watch. You know, if I leave with the bases loaded, I don't want to see the next guy come in and let all those guys come in on a base hit. And guess what? All three of those guys are my responsibility, so my ERA is the one that's ballooning. Let me hit the showers. Let me go check Twitter or social media and get my mind off of sucking. Yeah. All right, so my last one is going to be don't step in the batter's box while the pitcher is warming up. Look, it's half of the whole pitcher versus batter thing is a mind game anyway. And if I can stick my toe in that batter's box and it's going to mess that guy yeah. up just a little bit, that well, that's that's his fault for being mentally weak and not being able to handle that. So he needs to deal with that on his own time with his therapist. <laughs> that batter's box, it's the batter's box, not the pitcher's box. It's the batter's box I'm jumping in. I just had one honorable mention because I think that was all nine. Um, I didn't even know this was a rule, but now that I'm thinking about it, I do see when the batters go up to bat, they always walk behind the catcher and the umpire. I'm glad you brought that up as honorable mention. I saw that one too. All right. So that's our nine up. There it is. Nine up. Okay. uh, And Fernando Tatis, just keep doing what you're doing, bro. Yeah, seriously. All right. uh, So I guess that's where we're at. Now we'll get to the interview, right? Yeah. All right, Johnny Dawkins, the head coach of UCF basketball, um, took them to their first NCAA tournament win a couple years ago and had the team playing well towards the end of last season before COVID shut the season down and we lost March Madness. But, you know, they're a couple weeks into the, the players being back on campus and getting back to practice. So we talked about all of that and, and where college basketball goes from here. So here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. (laughs) Keep that in. (laughs) All right, we've got Johnny Dawkins, head coach of the UCF Knights basketball team on the phone. Uh, Let's just start, I guess, where everybody is right now, kind of wondering what's going on with the teams and basketball, and are we going to have college basketball this year? What do you think? I think we all are hopeful. Uh, I I think uh, watching, like, the NBA and the TBT have success, uh, they figured out a way to get their players out there safely and, and be able to go out there and compete, play a game that they love. I think, you know, with our sport, we have time to kind of figure that out as well, uh, you know, because of the timing of when we start. I think we can figure that out. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. But the main thing is we want our student athletes to be safe. That's first and foremost. And, 
we're going to always, that's going to be the biggest consideration. But if we can do it safely, I know a lot of the student athletes want to get out there and compete. They want to, you know, play a sport that they love. So what what does it look like right now for the players that you have, Johnny? And what kind of workouts or practices are you allowed to do with them right now? Uh, right now, what we're doing is our guys, our guys got back on the 3rd of, of August. And we've been very light. That first week, we just, just made sure we tested them, made sure uh, that everybody tested negative, of course, for that, for COVID-19. And we didn't do anything that week other than just testing and, and kind of making sure they got acclimated being back on campus. Uh, that Friday, we decided to, you know, get them in the gym a little bit in uh, small, small groups and to make sure they got in the gym and, 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 and did a little work, show them a little tape, you know, watch a little tape uh, the following day. Uh, this, the past week, we've gotten the gym more consistently, you know, get, doing a lot of skill work. Don't want to know you banging bodies with the uncertainty that we have and, and with everything going on, you know, we want to bring them along slowly from the standpoint of COVID-19, not having large numbers of guys out there, five on five or anything like that. Uh, just trying to be careful with our players to make sure that we, like I said, we keep them out of harm's way as best we can. What, what do you do differently during practice? I mean, when we talked to some football coaches, they said if, if two guys were throwing a ball and then a third guy touched that ball, they had to stop and wipe that ball down. But you can't do that with basketball. Everybody's got to touch the ball, right? Yeah, what we're doing is, you know, we, what, what a rebound is, well, we have one ball. You, may, you know, we have a rebounder, may have his gloves on. Uh, so, we, you know, we're doing that. You know, if it's two guys down there with the basketball, we're making sure that, that there's only one ball that's being utilized in the situation. We're not trying to add extra balls to what we're doing. Just trying to be as careful as possible, following the, the protocol that the trainers have given us and the doctors have given us, and uh, sticking to it, you know, because that, that's going to be the key. It's going to be the discipline of, of staying with that because, as you know, if, if we're going to have anything successful, you know, season this year, I think everybody's going to have to understand the importance of following the guidelines. Some big news during the pandemic for UCF and for you was the transfer of C.J. Walker, former five-star player from uh, Oregon, went to Oak Ridge. He's a local guy. Um, for the folks that don't know, what kind of player are you getting with him? And I'm sure you hope that maybe he'll get a waiver and he could play this year. Uh, well, well, I think when you when you look at C.J., and I've known C.J. since he was a young man when I first got here, uh, just, just always plays with high energy, uh, really competes at a high level. Uh, active plays long. Uh, he can affect the game in so many ways. He can affect the game, you know, offensively with his ability to slash the basket and finishing at the rim. Uh, he's a capable shooter on the perimeter. Defensively, he can impact the game because he's, he's very active. He, he, you know, he finds himself in the right place to make plays a lot, you know, defensively. He'll rebound the basketball for you. Man, he he does a lot. You know, like I said, he's a versatile player. I, I like the fact that he's a, he's, a, he's a really good two-way player. How many pairs of, like, handcuffs or straight jackets have you had to buy to keep guys from going out on the weekends? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what? We, 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 had, we had a big discussion with our team prior to them arriving about the importance of, uh, you know, us you know, trying to stay in our bubble as best we can, uh, understanding the importance of, of what we want to do this year. And if we want to do anything this year that we have got to, uh, we have to make sacrifices. We all have to, we all have to make sure we, we keep ourselves out of harm's way as best we can. I mean, it's a virus, so it's going to be around, but we've got to understand that if you can be out of large crowds and in places where it's not good airflow and, and you can't keep social distance, 
if you can't, if you can't, you know, you got to try to stay out of those type of places because that's putting yourself at a higher risk of, of contracting it. So those are conversations we had and, and talked about just bit really just like I said, just sacrificing something that, that you want more. And you know, these guys want to have a season, you know, to a man, they want to go out, they want to compete. You want to be able to do that. These are the things that you're going to have to abide by to give yourself a chance at being able to do that. Going back to CJ real quick, Coach, the NCAA obviously has a lot on their plate right now, but when you apply for a waiver, how long does that process usually take, and do you hope that maybe you'll hear back before the season starts? Uh, yeah, when you apply for a waiver, it's just a, just a normal process. It has to go to the NCAA, and, and, and the power is there to determine if it's, if it's a, a valid you know, reason why a young person will have an opportunity to, to, be, to be waived in and play. And so it's just a process. I mean, it it it, it, take, it depends on uh, the circumstances. You know, the, that usually determines how long it would take. But you know, you're talking about. I know the young man wants to apply for the waiver. Uh, you know, we have time. You know, and, and it's not as if we're you know under the gun with our season starting. You know, next week or anything. So I think with him wanting to apply as early as possible, like now, gives him an opportunity to have it looked at with, with, with plenty enough time to figure out what the decision's going to be. Your best guess, you think we're going to see him on the court this year or this season, whenever uh, this season I, starts? I, <laughs> I, I could never, I could never make guesses like that. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's an NCAA decision and you know, I've seen these decisions go, you know, you know, a number of ways. So I have to wait and see what they say uh, based on, uh, based on his, based on his case. Johnny, Coach K was on ESPN Radio yesterday. said he doesn't believe the NCAA can literally afford to go another year without the NCAA men's basketball tournament. We know, I believe it's 85% of the NCAA's revenue every year comes from the men's basketball tournament. Do you agree with your old coach there? And how much do you think they're going to push to figure out a way, whether it's a bubble like the NBA, to make the men's basketball tournament happen in March or maybe even later? Well, I just think, you know, I, I mean, he brings up a valid point there. I mean, just the responsibility of the men's basketball, uh, you know, NCAA tournament, you know, it, it's enormous. I mean, it's great for all of our student-athletes. So I, I would think everyone would want to see it, you know, have success. Because, as he mentioned before, if, if it's generating that type of revenue and it's taking care of that many student-athletes, that's a positive thing. So I, I would be hopeful that, that we would, if, if we could do it safely, and uh, like like you see what the NBA is doing, if we could do it that way, safely, thoughtfully, then absolutely. I think it's something that's very important. I, you know, I you know I don't think that you know no no dollar amount is going to be you know worth the risk of you know some young player mm-hmm. you know in his you know with his life you know at stake you know and I'm sure you know we all can agree on that. So it's just a function of you know being able to do it the right way. And I I agree with Coach that you know it, it's definitely it's definitely needed. And uh, I think because of, you know, our game and having missed that tournament last year, I'm sure that was very difficult, you know, for, you know, for, you know, for the student athletes and revenues generated to continue to help them, you know, be successful, you know, whether it's scholarships, whether it's, you know, programs to help them, you know, after college, things of that nature to help continue to educate these young people and move them forward in a positive way. It, technically, UCF didn't miss the tournament last year, so if you make it this year, then you can still say you went two seasons in a row. So I guess that's a bonus. <laughs> you know what? I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> you know, I will, I will. I will say this: I thought we were playing our best basketball. Yeah. Right now at the most on the stretch of the season, so 
we were really anxious about playing in our conference tournament because we had we had finally hit stride. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then, unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, the season was canceled. And, and I, like I said, I definitely understand it. It should have been canceled based on the uncertainty, the unknowns that was going around with that virus. Uh, so I think we all understood. But, yeah, I, I really felt sorry for my seniors because I thought they were playing really well. And this was the opportunity on the stage to really, you know, show who we are. And, and uh, it got cut short. So, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. Because it's an asterisk by that season, if we're fortunate enough to make it this year, definitely to be back to back. <laughs> Let's talk some NBA. You spent nine seasons in the association. The Magic with a big upset yesterday. The Blazers take down the Lakers uh, last night. I-, I know you can't be camped out on the couch all day, like maybe I have been. Um, but but how much of the NBA playoffs are you watching? You know, I've been able to watch a few of the games for sure. You know, I, I really like. I really enjoy watching the games. And I think it's been especially, you know, interesting this year in the bubble with how well they played considering how long they were off. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, some players have been terrific. I mean, some teams have played really well. Some individuals have had some, you know, some unbelievable games. I've really enjoyed watching the games. It's been entertaining. And uh, I didn't know what to expect in the bubble like probably all of us with no, no crowds in the arenas. But it's been, it's been, really, it's been really entertaining. And I've been very competitive. So, uh, like, I caught the game last night, late night. I ended up watching the Laker game, uh, which uh, Portland ended up, you know, knocking yeah. them off in, in game one. What a what a game. I mean, what Damon Lillard. He's playing oh out gosh. of his mind yeah. right now. <laughs> you know, so, so things like that have been – I watched – I ended up catching the Jazz game. Uh, they took a tough loss. But, I mean, how about Donovan Mitchell and his performance? I mean, it's, it's, it's been incredible to see – you know, some of the guys, and that's, that's considering the kid Murray had 36 for Denver the same, in the same game. He had about 20 or so in the second half, I mean, the fourth quarter in overtime. Yeah, so I think it, it was it, – go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think the thing that surprises me the most about this whole thing is that other than the magic, so many of these teams have stayed healthy. I thought with the long layoff, we'd yeah. see all kinds of soft tissue injuries and, and other things. I, I'm actually really impressed with the job that training staff and the coaching staff have done to keep these guys healthy. You know, you and I both, I mean, because that's always a concern whenever you sit out that type of time and you're away from that type of competition. First thing you're looking for is, okay, it's going to be a, a, you know, a higher number of injuries based on, uh, you know, just absence, absence, you know, being absent from the game. But they did a good job, I think, of kind of navigating that by bringing everybody along slowly. You looked at it early on before they even came to the bubble, you know, how they were preparing themselves. You know, some of the guys definitely, you know, you can see they had been training when they were out, you know, I think. I think Damian Lillard, one of the players, said they had a, a gym they could go to and really trained hard to try to make some improvements during that time. Now, I, and I was, I would mention to say a number of the players did that. So they, they weren't sitting around, you know, you know, they were, they were preparing themselves in case the season started back up, and uh, and and it showed. Do you think that college athletics can learn something from that bubble? Is there a way to to have a bubble? Uh, with your team or you know at UCF with the athletes do you think there's something that can be done from what we've seen with the success of it in the NBA I really do I, mean, I think the NBA has shown shown us a blueprint that we can have well, we do it exactly like them or probably not yeah. but I think we can come close to doing it very similar to that and, and be very successful in playing our sport uh, I mean I think now with the addition of like a lot of the classes going online anyway uh, if you have students taking online courses if you have your your, your, you know, your, your academic support, you know, you know, people in place that continue to help the student athletes there. Uh, I think you could do it successfully. I think you could have multiple bubbles. And I, I mean, you could have a bubble back, another bubble right here in Orlando easily. 
You could have a bubble in Vegas. You could have a bubble in, you know, in Texas. There are places that can accommodate a number of teams and keep them in, a, in an environment where I think it would mitigate the risk from the standpoint of contracting it. And uh, it's just a function of, you know, just, like I said, just the, the planning is important. You know, it just has to be planned out very well so that, you know, you go into it, you know, having an understanding of what you have to do to be successful. I got one more question for you, and, and it's a conversation we see going around right now that uh, if if a conference shuts down but other conferences are playing, do you think players should be allowed to transfer and play immediately if they get that opportunity? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, that's, that's a tough question to answer, but, you know. That's why I saved it for last. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think there's so much uncertainty with what's going on like even some of the conferences that have said they're not going to play, are they going to play in the spring frame? You know, so now if you have a player that that maybe wants to continue to play, but your team is actually going to play in the spring. I mean, I don't know if you can grant them a waiver to, to, to play now. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that's tough. But if, if, if you knew that a, a, a organization or, or a program is not going to play for certain, then in a young man's career and his future is on the line and he, and he wants to risk it and he wants to chance it. Then I, I think that should be his call. Um, I think in our country that should be that that person's call to make. I mean, if his parents are, are, are willing and he's willing to to want to forego that to go continue to play somewhere else to continue his career, you know, I don't I don't see that being something that uh is too much to ask for because you know these young players they have one opportunity at this and if that's what they want. I mean, if they they've they've read up on it, they understand the risk and they want to do it. I mean, I don't know if you can uh if you you know should should deny them that opportunity all right johnny dawkins head coach of ucf and uh really hope we get to play in october and november on time <laughs> and we're eager to see what you guys can do out there this year thanks for taking the time to to speak with us absolutely you guys take care so great to have johnny dawkins on the podcast and uh yeah hopefully we'll get some college basketball here shortly you just saw uh, john rothstein from the athletic actually broke some news while we were doing the podcast about possibly how college basketball could use the bubble idea. Yeah, it makes sense. They're saying that uh, because Orlando and Disney performed so well with the NBA's bubble, because they just announced another round of tests, no positives, that some of these preseason college basketball tournaments are looking at coming to Orlando also. And it makes a ton of sense because I know it was super expensive for the NBA to do it, but these tournaments only have maybe eight teams. Yeah. They come in for a weekend. You test everybody right when they get in. And isolate you them in a hotel, yeah. and then they play their three, four games and get out, and you're done. And I think that's a great opportunity to at least get some form of college basketball if we don't end up getting a full season. Yeah, and I, I think it was interesting to hear his thoughts on what Coach K said. And that, that's the big worry, is if you don't have the NCAA tournament, 85% of the revenue, what happens? What happens to college athletics if – all of that money is not there for two straight years. Yeah. Uh, that That's scary to think about. Hopefully we get the vaccine here shortly. And they might have to go to back to, to actually using student-athletes and being amateurs. Yeah. That's scary. <laughs> I don't want that. All right, let's get to dad jokes as we get out of here. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, what do my skateboarding career and Jon Snow have in common? Hmm. They both ended with an Ollie. What? An Who ollie. is Ollie. Ollie, the the kid in... I, I don't remember Ollie was, from Game of Thrones. Uh, he was trying to save the kid and... Or, hold on. <laughs> hold on. And I didn't even... You know, Game of Thrones wasn't that long ago, but I don't remember Ollie. 
I guess I can just... Hold on. We're looking it up now. He's the farm boy who fled to the Night's Watch after his village was attacked by the free fall. Goes on. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that ended up shooting... Or, or no, he the stabbing, yeah, the, stabbing the stabbing. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> All right, we talked our way through Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right, uh, it's yesterday was tough for a lot of local residents with the tornado, but I I wanted to to bring some levity to the situation with a horrible dad joke. So, okay. um, a storm blew away twenty five percent of a guy's roof last night. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, that's Sports Brothers. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I guess maybe we should just say we're sorry for listening or for having you listen to that. But I, I'm pretty sure everyone enjoyed that voicemail. Uh, yeah, it was the, the voicemail was fantastic. And if we get another one, we'll read it every week. If, if people want to leave us voicemails, I don't know where that guy found the number, but I'm sure it's online somewhere to, to, to contact the sports department. Is that how we should close the show now? Just that's Sports Brothers. Go suck your mother's <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Perfect dismount. (laughs) All right. See you next week. Bye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.